0: Hey everyone! Welcome to Infused Church Online and our brand new series, Creatures of Habit. Stephanie and I welcomed our second daughter uh, this past week, and so today, Pastor Mike is here from Fort Dodge to begin this awesome series. Because haven't we all fallen victim to our habits at some point? And we sit there wondering, why is it we chose to make that decision, knowing it was the wrong decision? Why did we eat that piece of cake? even though it wasn't the healthiest thing for us. And so today we're gonna talk about that and how you can overcome some of even the deepest of habits. So stick around.
1: So anyway, I'm honored to launch this series, Creatures of Habit. We are all creatures of habit. And you know what? We were actually created that way. Uh, We were created to be people of habit. Not all habits are bad. Some habits can be very good. Some habits can be very bad. Um, Already today, I would venture to say that you have probably done dozens of things simply by habit. Uh, without really thinking, without engaging much of your mental faculty at all or really having to think about it or really having to process anything, um, it's very easy to, to miss the point that we actually do a lot of things simply out of habit. Uh, for example, it's the first thing we do when we get up in the morning. I mean if I were to ask you what's the first, well, I'm not going to ask you, but if I were to ask you what's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning, it's probably kind of the same every morning. Just habitually you do this thing, probably you get out of bed, but after that um, what's next? What is it that you do? And we, we do these things by habit. Uh, for me, a small cup of decaffeinated coffee and a workout. I know I don't look like I work out, but I do. Uh, that's my that's my morning habit. That's my first thing out of bed. I'm, I'm an early riser, always have been. Uh, drives my wife kind of crazy. I get up about 4.30 or 5 every morning, and I'm just ready to go, and I have those hours there. You know what? At 4.30 in the morning, you can do almost anything, and nobody's going to interrupt you. You're just pretty much on your own, and so it's a great time for me to... Uh, as I said, I work out, I study, I kind of get in the Word, do some things like that, but uh, anyway, um, you know, we, have, we all have our, our uh, <laughs> we won't get into this in much depth, but we all have our morning bathroom routines, right? Uh, what we do getting ready in the morning, all those kind of things, how we interact with our spouses, how we greet them, how we greet our children, uh, if we have children in the home, um, you know, how we leave our home, driving our cars, driving our vehicles, I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, how we greet others, how we greet our friends, our acquaintances, strangers, how we respond to questions, even our facial expressions. So much of this stuff is just habit. We just do it because we've done it so much. We've done it the same way for so long that it just becomes part of who we are. So our facial expressions can tell big stories. And we, we have habitual facial expressions. We have uh, for certain looks that we have when we're puzzled, or frustrated, or angry, or happy, right why don't you give somebody sitting next to you your puzzled face what do you look like when you're puzzled <laughs> that was puzzling um what do you look like when you're happy show them that face show them that face what do you look like when you're happy you know it's kind of interesting we do that and i so p- some of your puzzled face people are like show me your happy face show me your scared face it's like There's expression there. There's, there's life going on behind our faces. And we, so much of this stuff is just habit. It's just what we do. And these are simple, obviously very, very simple habits. But habits are important because they free up our minds to do other more important things because you don't have to think about them. Habits are things that we don't have to think about. Some habits are better than others. Some make life easier. Some habits make life much harder but the good news about habits is that they can be changed habits can be changed over time and those of you that have uh been here when when i've been here before have heard any of my testimony you know that my wife and i came out of the 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 70s out of the drug and alcohol culture of the 70s and i was playing in rock bands and just doing crazy stuff and you know what all of those habits and they were habits in fact some of them even came to the point of addiction uh, all of those habits are no longer part of my life. I've rewritten, I've reprogrammed, with God's help, my habits and what I habitually do. Let me define for you what a habit is. Here's what the Webster's Dictionary says about habit. Habit is a settled tendency or usual manner of behavior. I many of you believe that you have settled tendencies and usual manners of behavior? Behavior. Those are habits, right? Another definition from Webster's Dictionary, from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, an acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary. So habits are things that just happen involuntarily. Almost like breathing. Breathing's not a habit. Breathing is part of our life, right? But just like we breathe involuntarily. You don't have to tell yourself, when, can you remember the last time you breathed? No, it, was just, it just happens, right? You don't stop and think about it. It's involuntary. Uh, the Oxford Online Dictionary defines a habit like this. A settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. Like that second shake at stake and Shake every time you go there. That habit that's just hard to get. You know, stopping at three cookies instead of four. You get what I'm saying? That, that habit of just kind of, it's hard to give up. The American Heritage Dictionary calls a habit, or defines a habit as a recurrent, often unconscious pattern of behavior that is acquired through frequent, frequent repetition. Wow, that's a tough one. And then the last one I'm going to share with you also from the American Heritage is an established disposition of the mind or character. We're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about that, the disposition of mind or character that we habitually all have. So I don't know about you, but I've had to recognize through my life uh, certain habits that I've had um, that actually needed to change. Habits that needed to be rewritten. Habits that needed to, you know, be changed, just they, they had to be, they had to go in a different direction because what they were doing to my life was not good. I think I smoked my first cigarette when I was about 12. And you know, I remember that. I remember it vividly. Um, I was coughing and hacking and spitting and sputtering. I turned green, thought I was going to die. I mean, it was, it was so bad. It was, a, it was just one of those things. We stole some cigarettes from one of my friend's dad, you know, didn't know. It. We just took them, went out smoked him, and smoked them. And man, it was rough, but I persevered. I pushed past that, and I kept smoking anyway. And I kept smoking until, when I quit at the age of 23, I was smoking almost three packs a day. That's almost 60 cigarettes a day. It's in- inconceivable to my mind now to think about that. It had become a habit. I had tried to quit that habit many times, and I didn't just smoke cigarettes. I don't know if they even make these anymore. I know they still make the Camel Straights, no filters, you know. But I used to smoke Camel, Pall Mall, uh, Lucky Strike and cool all straights. I don't want the filters on them. I want the, I want the real stuff. This is what I was smoking, you know? Um, and so, I mean, I can, eas- I can easily say if I hadn't have quit smoking 40 years ago, I would be dead by now. My lungs would have given up a long time ago. Uh, but I had an intense smoking habit. I didn't think about it, I just did it. You know what, when I quit smoking, uh, I was a truck driver at the time, and uh, I was delivering concrete products, not like over the road, but just local in a local area throughout North, North Central Iowa. And um, I would be driving down the road, and I hadn't smoked in a few days, but I kept reaching into my front shirt pocket because that's where I kept my cigarettes. And I would do that several times. I thought, oh yeah, I don't smoke anymore. I was like, oh yeah, I don't smoke anymore. But I had this habit 60 times a day of diving in there and I just kept doing it because that's what I did. My, my mind told my hand to get a cigarette. And it just kept happening. Um, don't really know when I started, drinking exactly. I started drinking beer. I went to rum, drank a lot of rum, started smoking pot in the summer between 8th uh, and ninth grade, and uh, the last year of high school I was smoking pot almost on a daily basis. I was uh, doing acid, probably LSD acid, not the battery acid, but uh, a couple of times a week I was doing that. My list of bad habits had gotten quite long. Obviously my bad habits included drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, lying, cussing profusely. I tell people when I when I gave my life to Christ and tran- transformation took place. It took me half as long to say things because I didn't use so many words. Anyway, um, lost all these, all these habits, it just became part of my life and I tried to quit uh, many of those habits a lot of times, but the pull was always too great. And as I said, about the age of 23, I found freedom from all of those habits by making a, a commitment of my life to Christ and asking him to make changes. I'll never forget the day that I prayed. So you can imagine, this is my life, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm really addicted. I have all these bad habits. I'm addicted to all this stuff. and I'll never forget the day that I prayed, God, if I'm doing anything you don't like, you're gonna have to take away the desire. I mean, if I'm doing anything, just in case. You know, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, I prayed that prayer and what was interesting is God took me at my word and he began to actually take away the desire for these things until I um, completely changed those habits. But you know what? I still have some bad habits. I do, I still, have some, I still I kind of just confess to you, Pastor Taylor confessed that he's habitually late. I have, a, I have some bad habits. One of my bad habits is potato chips. Um, it's not as bad as it used to be. A bag will last a couple of days instead of 30 minutes. Um, and, I, and I mostly eat baked <laughs> chips because they're better for you. Anyway, um, the, the other habit I have that goes along with the chips is chocolate. I really like chocolate, but recently I've converted to dark chocolate because it has antioxidants and it's healthy. And if a little bit of it is good for you, a lot of it is really good for you. And so um, that's why I look like I don't work out, because of the chips and chocolate. So I have this habit that, you know, I just kind of mindlessly do these things. I drive by habit. My my wife just grunted back there. I drive by habit. I said one time, you know, I do some of my best praying when I'm driving, and my wife said, I do some of my best praying when you're driving, (laughs) too. You know, it's one of those things, but uh, I've been driving for a long time. I started driving when I was 14. That's almost 50 years ago. I know I don't look that old. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But I've been doing this for a long time, and so, you know, it's just habit. I just, I don't have to think. I just drive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you've been driving for more than a couple of years, you drive by habit. Backing out of the driveway, backing out of the garage becomes a habit right so I'm back in my car out I'm, I'm at while the car is moving I'm usually coming out of the, out of the garage I'm putting on my seatbelt start you know checking the mirrors making sure they're okay and maybe fiddling with the radio a little bit thinking about all the things I have to do my mind's going you know million miles an hour a lot of times just thinking about the stuff I need to get done and uh, I don't have to actually think about looking. I just look and I habitually look down the road to see if anything's coming. I back out. I don't have to think about turning my car. I just turn. I don't have to think about putting it in gear. I just do it. I just manually just kind of automatically do all this stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just kind of automatically do this. It's the habit of driving. Then I get about two blocks from the house and this question rises up in my mind. Anybody know what the question is? That's right. Did I shut the garage door? I don't know. So I whip a yui and I drive back by the house. It would be embarrassing for me to tell you how many times I do this, honestly, but because my mind is occupied with so many other things, because I'm driving habitually, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. Do you know how many times I've gotten back to my house and found this 20-foot wide by 8-foot gaping hole in the front of my house? Never. Never have I left the garage door open. And yet, I always go back to check because I don't remember pushing the little button to close the garage door. Why not? Because I do it by habit. My mind is not engaged. I just do it by habit. And it happens. I don't want to leave the door open because I don't want this big gaping hole into my house. I don't want people to just walk into my house. Plus, my wife and I have this little dog-like thing. It's a, a, a... A Yorkshire Terrier. She's actually very sweet, but about a five-pound little thing, and she's usually in her kennel But sometimes she's still at large, and I wouldn't want somebody opening the door And I don't want to be the answer to the musical question who let the dogs out I mean, I don't want who let the dog out?" That was me. Um, I don't want to be that guy So you know, I want to make sure the garage door is shut Habitually, I'm pushing that button without even thinking about it. In our early married years, we lived on an acreage and it was an old garage that had just a solid door that kind of came up like this and and down. No no button to push. You'd have to back the car out, get out of the car, walk up to the door, grab it, push it down. I never had to wonder if I shut that door. Because if it was 20 degrees below zero, I remember the blast when I got out of the car to shut the door. If it was 100 degrees, I remember that too. You never had to really think about that. But pushing the button is a habit and it's a habit that Um, is pretty easy to do mindlessly and therefore don't remember that we've done does that make sense anybody brushing our teeth can be like that you know you just have you ever brushed your teeth and couldn't remember if you brushed your teeth (laughs) brush them again you ever do that or showered and couldn't remember you showered so you showered again you know why because you do it by habit and you're not really thinking about it And you probably never do that anyway I want to show you this quote by William James he said this all of life as far as it has definite form, is but a mass of habits. Now, scientists have done a lot of research on habits. Um, And I won't bore you with all the details, and I don't claim to be an expert on this. I've read about it, studied a little bit. Uh, But basically, there's a part of the brain that is dedicated to storing habit neurological loops, storing habits. And the cycles that habits create. It's called the basal ganglia and it's this little part down here just a bunch of fiber that sits kind of inside the brain near the lower part of the brain near the the stem cell evidently and it it sits there um, and it's just uh, just a bunch of little fibers that stores habits and also reinforces the habits that we already have. It automatically engages our body to perform even very complex Functions effortlessly and mindlessly. Thank you, Basil Ganglia. He does us a great service because he frees up our mind to do other things, which is important. Talk about that in a second. Check out this quote from um, Charles Duig. He says this 40%, everybody say 40%. I heard about three of you. Let's say it again 40%. 40% of your actions are not conscious decisions, but habits. So habits are a big part of your life. And a lot of the time, you don't even notice it. So we do a lot of stuff habitually. Um, And those habits are very, very important. I was thinking about this. I've been playing guitar since I was 12, so 51 years. And um, there are multiple chord progressions uh, that make up the structure of songs. And once you memorize the various chord progressions and the deviations that can take place within a chord progression, um, you can play songs by memory without even thinking. And I play a lot of songs on guitar by memory, by habit, which frees my mind up to sing, to worship, to engage with God, while my hands just play by habit. Good job, Basil ganglia. High five. Um, so science has discovered that there's this thing called the neurological loop. Now that's a fun phrase. Everybody say that with me. Neurological loop. Beautiful. It looks like this. A cue, a routine, and then a reward until the next cue, until the next cue. You can think of that cue as a trigger. Um, let's just go back and, and think about the cue, the routine, and the reward. Uh, so let's go back to my, my garage door analogy, something that I do habitually. So the cue, my car is now outside of the garage. My, once my car is outside of the garage, what do I do? I push the little button that closes the door. Believe me, without even thinking about it. How do I know I do it without thinking about it? Because I get two blocks away and think, did I shut that door? Have to turn around and go back and look. What's the reward? House is saved, safe, and I didn't let the dog out. That's right. The house is safe. I didn't let the dog out. That's the reward. So there has to be this, this neurological loop, the series, to create a habit. So the next time I back out of the garage, what am I going to do? I'm going to push the little button mindlessly. I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to have the reward of not letting the dog out. My wife and I have actually started doing something now. Uh, if we're together, and I even do it when I'm alone now. She probably does too. We back out. Because even with both of us in the car, we get two blocks away. Did we shut the door? I don't know. Turn around and go back. So you know what we've started doing? We've started watching it. And when it touches the ground, we look at each other and say, garage door down. And then we drive off. We never have to ask it. So I shut the door. Um, i <laughs> serious. Am I right about it? It's what we do. It's mostly her. Anyway, um, we do it so habitually, so unconsciously, we have no memory of actually doing it. Let's look at the toothbrushing thing. Here's the toothbrushing. We finished breakfast or finished shaving or finished something. There's usually something that you do before you brush your teeth. For me, I get I get ready, I have all my I'm mean, gonna get dressed for the day, get ready to go, and the last thing I do before I leave, brush my tooth. Brush my teeth. Here's a routine. You yeah, my tooth, I have one. Just one. Um, you put toothpaste on the brush and brush your teeth. Right? How do you do it? I start from the left and work my way to the right. How do you do it? It <laughs> doesn't matter. So you have a routine. You brush your, you brush your teeth. The reward, mm, clean clean-feeling mouth ready for the day, right? It's a habit. It's a cue, a routine, and a reward. Um, so you don't really think about, did you ever really think about brushing your teeth when you're brushing your teeth? I mean, you're thinking about a million other things while you're brushing your teeth. Because you do it habitually. So what does that have to do with our lives? Well, actually a lot, because about 40% of what we do, we do by habit. How many of those habits are habits that are taking our life in a direction or using up time, energy, money, uh, space that they actually shouldn't be in our lives? And so it's that's, that's a question. Um, my, let's look at my current bad habit. I don't have a slide for this. Um, it's a little too personal. But let's look at my current bad habit of, uh, of chips and chocolate. I feel snacky. I mean, I, I feel like snacking on something. I want to eat something. Or maybe I'm just bored. I gotta figure out what's my cue? What's happening here? What what am I looking for? Am I just snacky or am I bored? I don't know, but I eat. And so what do I do? I get chips or chocolate or both. (laughs) They're good together and I eat. And then the reward, so so the cue is, I wanna eat, I wanna snack on something. The routine is I get chips and chocolate and I snack. And then the reward is I'm no longer snacky for a while. Right? And then the cue kicks in again and Off we go again. Now I could change the routine and eat broccoli, but I don't like broccoli. I like chips and chocolate, so I'm not gonna spend a lot of time uh, creating a new routine for something that I don't like. Um, You know, maybe I could find something else to replace that, and I'm gonna work on that. I'll give you a report next week on how that's going. Don't expect a lot. Um, So maybe maybe it's something more serious. Maybe we engage in gossip at work. We don't really want to, but it just seems like we can't help ourselves. We get around the water cooler or whatever, and what happens? We have a cue. Um, we, so what's the cue? Well, we hear, because would it be possible to go back to that neurological loop, the cue routine and reward slide for a second? Perfect, thank you so much. So we have the cue, what's the cue? Well, maybe we hear some other people gossiping, or we, hear, we just come, come across somebody who's talking about something, and then what's the routine? Well, we um, engage in that gossip with them we have something to contribute as well. And so we engage in the gossip as well. And then what's the reward? Well, the reward is we feel like we fit in with others. We feel like we're part of the gang. We feel like um, we have something in common with these folks that we have just been gossiping with. But at the same time, we also feel a little unhappy with ourselves that we engaged in gossip again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So why do we do it? Because we're caught in a neurological loop. It becomes habit. It just becomes habit. In fact, I might even ask you on a day that you did this a dozen times, did you gossip today? You said, no, I didn't do gossip today. Because we do it so habitually, we don't even realize, actually, that we're doing it. So what's the craving? What is the reward? Is it a distraction from the day-to-day stuff? Is it just a change of routine that we want? Are we wanting to be part of the group? Is that what it is? Is it just part of our communal instincts kicking in? I've got to be part of the tribe here. I've got to fit in with my, with my group here. Or what exactly is it? So, let me kind of shift gears a little bit. God obviously knows the power of habit. He created the basal ganglia. He knows what it does, he knows how it works, and he knows that it can be our friend because it frees our mind up to do other things, but he also knows that it can be a challenge for us because some of the habits that we humans create are not the best habits. I shared with you a lot of habits that I had as a younger man, and those were not good habits. So God knows about the the power of habit, and he desires that we would have good habits that lead to productive lives. Um, If we can identify The reward that we desire and understand the routine that we get, uh, the, the routine rather that we go through to get to that reward, and the cue that ignites that routine, then we can begin to change habits that we would like changed in our lives. And just a show of hands, just a real quick poll is there anybody here who believes you might have a habit or two that you would want to change? I see a hand if you have a habit or two? Um, so if your spouse has a habit or two, uh, no, just kidding, um, if you're somebody, that's right, mm-hmm. um, 12, could we go 20, a habit or two? Um, yeah, so I mean, we all have these, these things that we want to change in our lives, and we don't realize why we do them, because we're not t- tapping into this cue, routine, reward idea. So let me share, uh, we'll have to jump ahead on the slides now to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 in the New Revised Standard translation says this I appeal to you this is what Paul wrote and I think that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul along this idea really of habits is I appeal to you therefore brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world check this out but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Remember one of the definitions we talked about um, with the word habit is an established disposition of mind or character. And it's interesting because it says that we could be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I think the basal ganglia has something to do with that. So you might discern what is the will of God, what's good, acceptable, and perfect. And so, this idea of an established disposition of mind or character, what Paul is talking about here, what the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write, is that there is a way for our habits, our minds, and our habits to be changed so that we would discern God's will in our life and that our habits could become. Godly habits, but it begins with the renewing of the mind. So I have a a slide here that I want you to look at uh, about this, this, a little bit of a progression here. So here's why our thoughts are so important. That's another thing that we do habitually. We think certain things habitually without really thinking about what we're doing. But thoughts are important because thoughts produce actions. And if you do an action enough times, what does that become? A habit, right? It creates that neurological loop and it becomes a habit. If you put all of your habits together, all the things that we do habitually, put all of those things together, that defines our what? Say it to me. Character. And our character will ultimately determine our what? Our destiny in life. So if we want to change our destiny, and we do. We want to change our influence. We want to change how we influence the world around us. We want to change how our walk with God or our relationship with God influences the world around us that's our destiny to change literally the culture around us if we want to do that if we want to change our destiny way over at the end of this we've got to come back to the beginning of it and change what our thoughts Um, thoughts are important because our thoughts are what help create these habits, this habitual loop, this neurological loop. I want to share this with you from uh, the Message Bible. Same verses of Scripture from Romans 12 in the Message Bible. So check this out. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Everybody say, God helping me. Perfect. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. How many of you have one of those? Everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Then he says this, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Without even thinking. That you fit into it, what else can we say there? That you fit into it habitually. Right? Because when we do habits, we're not really thinking about what we're doing. Our mind's freed up to do other things. So he's really saying here, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you just have the habit of fitting into it. Following along with the gossip at the water cooler or the political talk You know that everybody wants to bring up that really does nothing to really help anybody. And all this stuff, all this stuff that we habitually engage in within our broken culture. Instead, he says, fix your attention on God. Start focusing your thoughts, your mind, on God because that will help to renew and change us. And then he says it that way, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity within you. Great passage of the scripture. I love the way Eugene Peterson translated this. Uh, when he wrote the message translation. He translates this, I think, in a way that helps us to see the habit elements in this. Um, So a couple of things here. First of all, God wants to help us develop the best possible habits. And secondly, God wants to become one of those habits. In fact, He wants to become the key habit in our life. God wants to become the key go-to that we habitually do without really thinking about it. We just, something comes up, our minds immediately go to fixing our attention on God and seeing what God wants to do so here's what he says here's what I want you to do God helping you God really does want to help us Um, And again wherever we're at in our relationship with God we need to just settle something and that is that God really does want to help us I have good news for you God's not angry with you he's not upset with you he's not a cruel God with a baseball bat waiting for you to step out of line so he can knock you across the plate that's not what God is about God loves you he cares about us and he knows that our habits make up for about 40% of our daily activity. And he wants those habits to lead us to a great life. He wants those habits to lead us to the, most pos- the, the best possible and the most productive life we can possibly have for ourselves and also for the people that we interact with and also for our community. He wants our lives to bring the character of God's kingdom into our world. And uh, we can give God access to our habits. That's really what it's talking about when it says to present these things, place these things before God. Um, And, you know, something I was reading and studying about this neurological loop is that science tells us that once a neurological loop, once a habit has been created in the basal ganglia, it cannot be uncreated. It can't go away. But another habit can be written over it. Another habit can override that habit. So let me, talk about my, let me talk about my drug days real quick. So check this out. Here's a cue for me. I'm off work. It got to the point where uh, that wasn't even the case anymore. I was smoking pot on the way to work, and I'm a truck driver handling concrete products. I'm telling you, it was a mess, but that's another story. The cue, I'm off work for the day. The routine, smoke more pot, drink rum. The reward, good feeling, feel like I can relax now, uh, like a sense of freedom. Uh, the guys in the band would come over, we'd practice at night. Um, band shows up, that's my cue. What's my routine? Smoke pot, drink more rum. Um, what's the reward? Good feeling, like a sense of freedom. And then in 1979, I came into a relationship with Christ, and I did exactly what it said that we just read about there in Romans chapter 12. And I took my everyday eating, sleeping, going to work, my <laughs> everyday smoking pot, doing, drinking rum life, and placed it before God as an offering, and when I did that, something changed. And here's what happened. After uh, here's my cue. I'm off work for the day. Same cue, right? Routine. I take a walk and meditate. I pray. I read my Bible. I may still have copies of the story. Yeah. So I read some from the story. Right? Different routine. What's the reward? Good feeling, sense of freedom. Same or similar reward, but the routine changed. And did that just change my life? Big time. That was a major transformation in my life. Would the habit of drug and alcohol addiction just go away? AA and NA is tapped into this. Those habits don't go away. You need a new habit. So what do they come up with for the habit? Seven meetings in seven days. Get to the meetings. What takes the place of the drugs and alcohol? Go into the meetings. You have the cue. You want to drink. What do you do? Instead of grabbing the bottle, you go to a meeting. meetings. Most cities have meetings all day, every day. I mean, there's just a lot of meetings you can go to. Pretty much any time you can go to an AA meeting. What's the reward? The reward is, I did this one more day. I conquered this one more time. There's a new reward, there's a new routine, but the cue is the same. When I feel like doing that, I do something different instead. So what I, want to, what I need to do, if I'm gonna change my chip addiction, is uh, my chip habit, is I have to develop a taste for broccoli. No, it doesn't have to be broccoli, but I have to, I have to find a different, a different routine to getting me to that place of feeling fulfilled. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So this routine is something that happens. So that verse again, look at this, I have this a slide for this, uh, that verse we looked at earlier. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. Those are actually the things that we do habitually. You have sleep habits, you have eating habits, <laughs> In fact, when we were talking about you know eating habits, I mean that's we all have eating habits. We're talking about the habits that annoy you. Um, some that can be a case going to work. Maybe you have a habit of going to work. Anybody have a habit of showing up late at work? Early for work? Happy at work? Anybody have a habit of showing up happy at work? Anybody have a habit of showing up grumpy at work? Of course not. Um, so we have this this going to work life, this walking around life. What does that mean? Just living our lives, life right all the things that we do ha- habitually and place it before God as an offering God wants to help us we already established that here's what I want you to do God helping you right it's that verse uh, but we need to do something God does want to help us but we need to do something what do we need to do we need to place our everyday ordinary life our sleeping eating going to work walking around like those are just the normal things that we do every day forty percent of which you do without thinking and place them before God, make them an offering and effects that are habits before God. We all have habits in our everyday, ordinary, sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life that really do need to be adjusted. Whether we recognize it yet or not, we all have habits that need to be adjusted. The people closest to you know what those habits are for you. That's supposed to be funny. Anyway, um, but we all have these habits that need to be adjusted. Maybe it's that daily chocolate shake at Steak and Shake. All I can say is I'm glad we don't have one of those in Fort Dodge. Uh, Those things are good. Or the daily four dollar coffee on the way to work, right? (laughs) Or even the habit, some people have the habit of buying a new vehicle every 12 to 14 months. Uh, And and it's a habit. It's like, oh, new models are out. Something triggers. a cue triggers. What's the routine? Take the old model. With, you know, now it's got 15,000 miles on it, this thing is junk. Take it to the dealership and trade it in for one that doesn't have any miles on it, right? That's the habit. It just becomes a a routine. What's the reward? Got a good vehicle again. I'm ready to go for another 15,000 miles or whatever. Or the habit of engaging in gossip at, at, at work or whatever it is. We can try to muster enough willpower to change the habit that we want to change but willpower is never actually going to do it. Willpower only has a minor effect. Here's what um, Duig said about this in his, in his book, The Power of Habit. He said this, this is how willpower becomes a habit. By choosing, this is, this is so interesting and so key here, by choosing a certain behavior ahead of time, then following that routine when an inflection point arrives. So let me go back to my current addiction. What is it? Chips and chocolate, right. So, um, so I'm going I'm to, here's my willpower. I'm going to choose a certain behavior ahead of time. Next time I feel like having chips and chocolate, what am I going to have instead? Broccoli. That's right. I, I can hardly say the word, but I'm going to have broccoli. I'm going to eat broccoli. So, and then it says, then following that routine when an inflection point arrives. Now, here comes the cue. Here comes the trigger. Here comes the desire for chips and chocolate. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. Do I go back to the old habit of chips and chocolate, or do I go to the new habit of broccoli? 100 percent, man. I'm going back to chips and chocolate. Broccoli is not going to cut it for me. Broccoli is like that's like the other end of the spectrum. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kick my chips and chocolate habit by eating broccoli. I can guarantee that right now, because I don't want to. It's a matter of wanting to, and it's a matter of belief. Do I believe that broccoli can replace chocolate and chips? No, I don't. So I gotta give, I gotta come up with a better plan than that. And that's kind of what I'm teasing you with a little bit today. So how do I follow that certain routine when that inflection point hits? If I'm an A or NI, how, how, do, how do I make that decision instead of grabbing the joint or the bottle, how do I make that decision of going to a meeting instead of doing that? I have to begin to rewrite that program. I have to begin to rewrite that routine, especially if it's not a habit, habit yet. I've got to begin to do it. Here's my quote on this. You want to see my quote? Here it is. It's no longer a matter of my willpower to change but rather a matter of God's will to power my change. Anybody catch that? I am not gonna change my chip and chocolate habit by replacing it with broccoli. I need to ask God to help me. And I, I, I'm actually doing that. Said, God, you set me free from drugs and alcohol. You can set me free from chips and chocolate. Problem is, I like them. And I have to begin to change the way I think because my thoughts create actions my actions become habits. My habits become character. I'm now the character of a chipaholic. And the character determines my destiny. If I'm ever going to get free from that, that's what I need to do. Wherever we are in our relationship with God, he wants to help us. Um, is this habit, that habit, honoring to God? What does he want? What's his will for my life? In helping me live my best possible life? Or is it stealing something from me? Is, is my, are my habits stealing from me? Could my habits be stealing time, money, energy? Could my habits actually be stealing relationships, peace, my reputation? I found this with smoking, that smoking was stealing my time. It takes a lot of time to smoke 60 cigarettes a day. And you don't have a lot, you don't have time for other things when you're doing that. Um, And also it took my money. You know, back then, back when I quit in 1979, I think they were like, like 45 cents a pack. I was just in the store the other day, and I, just, I was looking to see behind the counter if they still sell Camel Straights, And I saw them. Nine dollars and six cents. That's a lot of money. I'd have been smoking, what, 27 dollars worth of cigarettes a day. It was stealing my time, it was stealing my money, it was stealing my health. It was stealing my energy. I knew it was a habit I had to give up. I conquered that habit with God's help, and I will conquer my chip and chocolate habit with God's help as well. I'm very close to rewriting that routine. I'm just not sure how I'm going to do it yet. So here's the question. What's yours? What's that, what's that thing that is happening in your life, that habit that God wants to help you rewrite beginning during this series perhaps I don't know how long Pastor Taylor is planning to do this series but however long this series is going to be is there a habit that you could rewrite during this series I won't ask you about your habit I won't ask you to go public with it I'm doing that but I won't ask you to do the same but I am going to have somebody's going to come along and hand you a card right now that looks like this it's just a little card it's just a little card stock thing not a big deal it just says a habit I want to change so if I were to fill this out for me today what would I put up there Right, chips and chocolate, so that I actually begin to look like I do work out. Um, Anyway, chips and chocolate is what I put up here, and uh, then I then I'd start thinking about what's my cue, and I'm not going to figure this out today. I'm not even going to figure this out probably in a week. But I start asking myself, what's my cue? When is it that I go to this habit? What's the cue? What's the thing that triggers me to do that particular habit? Or maybe yours is gossip, or maybe it's whatever it is, that that, that thing that you know has to change. And then what's the routine? What do I, what do I actually do? What's the routine that I actually do Once that cue hits, once that trigger hits, what am I doing that's creating this habit, this neurological loop? And then finally, what's the reward? And this is important, and I don't have time today to talk about this. In fact, my time has been up for a while now. Um, But the reward is important because I have to figure out what am I looking for? What is the reward I'm looking for with this habit? What what am I hoping to gain from following through with this habit? Once I know what the reward is, I know what I'm looking for, then I know how to change the routine because here's the thing, the cue is probably not going to change, but the routine can change and even the reward can change to a certain extent. One thing God does for us is He helps us permanently conquer our most nefarious habits. Embracing that line in that quote from the message translation of Romans chapter 12 says this, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. What does God want to do for us? He wants to change some of these habits that are stealing time, money, energy, relationships, whatever. He wants to heal. He wants to change those habits. He wants to empower us to change those habits because he wants our lives to be the best they possibly can be. And bad habits keep us from that. I want to pray for you. And this week, as you have this, and think about a new habit. Think about you know, how that might work out. And I'm not, I'm not saying we, we conquer this and we all come back next week with our cards completely filled out and we have a brand new habit. But let's start the process, shall we? Let's begin the process together, and let's see how this goes over the next few weeks. Let me pray for you. Father, we are thankful for the opportunity today to be with you and with one another. Uh, And we thank you for how you've created our our lives, our bodies, that that we are wonderfully and miraculously constructed. We thank you for such a small thing as the basal ganglia that allows us to have habits that frees up our minds to do other things. And Lord, in the process of that, we ask that you would help us to identify those habits in our lives that are stealing from us, that are uh, robbing us of relationships, time, money, that are somehow perhaps even hurting our reputation. And let us instead ask you to rewrite those habits for us and give us a routine and a habit that will honor you and bring glory to your kingdom. And we thank you for that today. I ask you to bless this congregation, those that are gathered here today. And we thank you for all of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: This week, what I hope that you will do is choose a habit you're ready to break and just simply write it down. Yes, like on paper, write it down, probably not on your phone because maybe that's your habit, and then consider what triggered that habit for you. What was the trigger? And write that down as well and just go through your week, not trying to solve your habits, but just recognizing the trigger or the cue that prompts you to engage with your habit and then join us next week for part two of our series, Creatures of Habit.